Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Real Talk with Ben podcast. And man, does it feel good to say that again. It's been a very long time. It's been what, <clears throat> three months or so, maybe longer, four months. It's been a long time since I've had an episode out. And it's it's really crazy because I know how many of you love the, the podcast and how much it really kept you informed of what's going on here in Hungary and in my life. And to be honest with you, I went, you know, they call it a writing block, a writer's block. Uh, I kind of went through a creative block. And I've said that on a couple of my other videos that I've done. And one of the biggest things too is uh, my Twitch has kind of slowly dissipated. Hopefully we'll be back again. There's a lot of things that, you know, I've been dealing with. I'm a little sick or I'm coming off of being sick, as you can hear. Um, and you might be looking at the title of the video like this is not what we were talking about today in the podcast, Ben. You're right. This is not what it's about. Uh, but what it is about is Dr. Irvin and a conversation that I had with Dr. Irvin. And it was an amazing conversation about just how uh, an amazing story that of what God has done in his life, how he brought him through different education experiences to really start a school that is community driven, that is based on what he believes is the best learning style for students. Uh, and so I was able to do that. And, and that's, I think this is the best way and the perfect way to start off real talk with Ben again. You know, this is episode 103, but I consider this episode one, really, uh, maybe the new one, one dot one, I don't know. But I'm glad that you're back and listening. If you've if you love watching this and listening to this, please share it because Dr. Irvin has some great advice, uh, some great suggestions on and especially as a teacher, what you can be doing. Um, and I really hope you do enjoy this. Uh, once again, I apologize if my voice sounds a little weird in the in the interview. I, I was very I was kind of sick actually while I was doing it. Um, but hopefully you get to be encouraged and you get to hear uh, an amazing story of what God is doing. And I'll be back uh, after to to give a little uh, summary of what's next for the Real Talk with Ben podcast. But till then, enjoy this interview with Dr. Irvin. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Real Talk with Ben podcast. And I am here uh, with a former professor of mine, a uh, a colleague in the education field. Um, I've known him for quite a long a while. Uh, I was just telling him off off air that he's now taught me things that I teach my students, which is always fun. It's cool, and all that. So this is Dr. Jeremy Irvin, who uh, was a professor when I was at Cedarville University, um, and now has started a new chapter, a new a new phase of of what God is doing in his life, and so. Before I let you go, uh, Dr. Irvin, I'm just going to say, for all those that are wondering, uh, how is this possible? You're like across the ocean. Uh, it's called technology, uh, which is which is going to relate to what we're talking about today uh, as we talk about STEAM schools, which I think some people will be confused. Um, but before we get into that, uh, Dr. Irvin, uh, why don't, first off, thank you for being on, and why don't you talk about your testimony of, of how God's got, brought you here to this point? Sure. Thanks, Ben, for the invitation. I love talking about how God has um, kind of molded my life to be at such a time as this and putting me into a position to be successful in opening the STEAM Academy. Um, so from a, a testimonial perspective, what's, what's very interesting is I grew up in a Christian home. And so going to church, going to a Christian school, um, having chapels and having all these people come in and give these testimonies about how God saved them out of this incredible, um, horrible lifestyle that they were in and all this. And I, and I kept in the back of my mind thinking, oh, I don't have a very <laughs> good testimony. You know, I like, I'm, I have a boring testimony and stuff. And, and so when people ask me, well, what's your testimony? Ah, it, it's, it's not really exciting. And then I stopped and realized now as an adult, I have the best testimony in the world because Amen. ultimately I, I only knew what it was like to think through a biblical worldview perspective because mm. my family was a Christian. I came through the nursery in a church nursery. Mm. You know, I, I was at church all the time. And so I was 
constantly surrounded with the reality of the supernatural, understanding the faith piece, understanding um, how God can use things, seeing how God used things. Mm. And so at an early age, I remember um, during um, we did a, like a little mini revival in our church between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's, and it was December 28th, and at going to the big people's church um, <laughs> as a five-year-old instead of going to the off to the um, children's church, I heard a guy preach about fire and brimstone, right? Like about the reality of hell, and truly, I was like, I. I don't want to go there, right? Um, and that it was like reality here. And so that night when my mom was tucking me into bed, I remember specifically asking her, like, so if I don't want to go to hell, I, I want to go to heaven. I just really have to commit myself to the Lord and understand mm-hmm. that, that I'm a sinner, right? And And she was like, yes. And for the first time in my life, like this whole emotional interaction Mm. about the reality of my life and the needing of a savior Mm. just kind of like overtook me and i started crying which the only time i ever cried was sometimes when i got spanked which (laughs) frustrated my parents because my dad would like spank me and like i'm gonna keep spanking him until he cries and i was like i'm not gonna cry right um but ultimately um that uh, swell of emotions and the reality of my life being in the hands of um the need of a savior and and at an early age i came to know him and you know it was it was an interesting journey all along the way i would have to say that for the most part you know i did read dedicate my life to focusing back on the the Lord and working and doing his will um, between my um, freshman and sophomore year in high school. And I really, you know, realized that, you know, I kind of was adrift a little, but my drift was I listened to rock music that I was told not to for about two or three weeks. And that was my rebellion against um, the rules of my parents, in a sense. Um, I wasn't a, a, an easy kid to handle, but my it was more or less just because I was ornery, not necessarily <laughs> because I was doing some major flaw. I, I never um, had that. So so my my testimony is truly what I would say now is an ideal testimony because hmm. I don't have a lot of the consequences and the scarring that was typically associated with yeah someone that really went far off um, Mm. and was at the bottom of their life and then Mm. reached out for a savior to save them. Now I'm not saying I still needed that, right? Yeah, of course. I just didn't have to get to the lowest level to to realize it. And so learn from other people's mistakes and then not have to have those scars of my own life. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting, you know, you, I, I come from a similar background of, you know, growing up in a Christian home. Now I went to public school, which was a little different. Obviously you hit more of the ruts, uh, in public school. And, and I, and my parents always said they put me in public school for that reason to have me experience those ruts. Um, and those kind of things. What, before we get into the steam school, what, what got you, how did God lead you to first off Cedarville? Right. And, and how does that, how has Cedarville impacted as you've gone on uh, throughout your your career? So my education, uh, my educational journey has been my entire career, adult life. So almost thirty years now, I have been um, either a teacher, a professor, um, a dean, um, or now wearing kind of the superintendent's hat of a school. Mm-hmm. So education has been my career. And when I graduated from high school, I went off to what is now called Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is kind of a sister college to Cedarville University, similar backgrounds and and stuff. Um, So I had heard of Cedarville um, during that time, but went to Cornerstone to become a math teacher, fell in love with science along the way. I came out dual licensed to teach 7th through 12th grade, and my my 
journey was to go and make a difference as a Christian school teacher mm. in math and science. And so that's what my wife and I did. We married um, 93. As soon as I graduated, we I had a full-time position. She did as well in the Christian school. Mm. And during that journey, I realized as I could impact more students learning a math and science, I could have more impact if I was preparing future teachers mm, how yeah. to teach, not just being the teacher. So that put me on a journey of I needed my master's and PhD, which I did yeah. that in at Ohio State. And as a, a professor of preparing future math and science teachers in the university, I continue to to look for ways to have more impact in Christian ed. And so I was always looking for a direction to get back into Christian education. Mm. And I had moved up in leadership and taking on division um, responsibility and leadership in Atlantic City area. When the inaugural dean position came available at Cedarville University, in which I applied and God opened the door for me to mm. then transition and get the position in Southwest Ohio there to be the inaugural dean of the School of Education. And so that's kind of my journey within yeah. education and in higher ed through multiple positions to mm. eventually land at Cedarville. And I'm still in the Southwest Ohio area starting this school just have stepped away from higher ed after 25 plus years of higher ed experience to do this. What do you think has been the most rewarding part of higher education, especially when it comes to prepping teachers? I know for us, I know I had you as a professor. Um, you also, when I was student teaching, fun fact, I didn't say this earlier, he also was kind of my mentor teacher for that. Um, so my, uh, my, yeah, that's my question is, is what has been the most kind of like impactful, you know, there's been a moment that you're just like, this is really what I remember. So a lot of times I get to a point in my higher ed career in which I, I became fairly frustrated with the current situation I was at and basically, you know, doing a cry out to God kind of thing is mm. why am I here? Why am I doing this? And what's going what is the next step? Yeah. And basically, it's it's during those valleys of your own spiritual life that you really rely on um, the scripture. You really rely on godly um, friends. And in my case, my family was huge. Mm. Uh, my wife was huge in the fact of walking that journey with me and basically seeking God's will and, and then doors open. And, you know, when we transitioned um, from Alliance, Ohio, which is at um, up in Northeast Ohio mm -hmm. at Mount Union University, a transition to a state college in New Jersey outside of Atlantic city there at Stockton. And I was like, wow, that, that is a really a different culture <laughs> yeah, yeah. from, you know, mid America to mid -America. <laughs> the East shore um, of Jersey. And one of the most, if not the most diverse states in the union. And that exposure to all these different people groups and to realizing the mission field has come to us, mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, and, and, and mm. even though you're international right now doing a mission work, the reality is a lot of the international uh, populations have come here to America yeah. and it becomes a, an open door. And during that time, exposure to the people groups, understanding structure and um, policies and procedures at a state institute really has helped give me the understanding of how to present curriculum in such a way that's impactful to the student. So my tagline has always been um, during this journey is teach students, not content. Mm. Yep. Because it's not about your content. It's about students learning. And education is about human connection. It's mm. about 
interacting with another person and helping them understand at a conceptual level the content. And that doesn't happen in a vacuum. Mm. So it's it's really important for that relationship to occur. And those pathways in which we were kind of uprooted from our, our family and put into situations in which our family had to be not only internal, but reaching out to the body of Christ mm. in a local church to really feel unity and community <clears throat> was huge in the point of now where I'm at with starting a community STEAM Academy here in Southwest Ohio. Yeah. And speaking of, of you know, you starting a STEAM Academy, um, I think this is a great time to talk about, first off, I think, you know, I grew up in small town Ohio, not too far from where you're at now in West Liberty, Ohio. And if anybody's in, been to West Liberty, it's just basically cornfields and a candy store. It's pretty much what we're known for. That's that sort of thing. And growing up, I didn't have STEM. I had a computer class. We learned typing, which I still don't type right. That's probably because I just kind of didn't care in, in high school or whatever. But at the same time, um, I learned more about it in your classes, obviously, but then um, as I've gone, uh, now as I'm over here and I'm in the guidance counseling role and in the computer uh, class role, that's becoming more common of, of, hey, we need to do this for our you know international students that want to go back to, let's say, China or Korea and want to get a job that is going to be multi-platform. Uh, so if you could explain what is, uh, explain what STEAM is, but how is that different from STEM or is it kind of similar? You just added something to it. So it is similar, um, but a uniquely different addition to it. So, so let me first define STEM education. And let me also say that when I explain STEM education, I'm going to tell you a story because it, it, yeah. it's part of my journey. Mm-hmm. So as my first year, I'm dual licensed math and science. <laughs> I'm teaching in high school algebra geometry, biology, physical science, chemistry, all right? So five preps, and here I am only a few weeks into the teaching, and in my math classes, I give a quiz or a test, and I tweak things up, right? Because if I'm assessing students' learning, I don't want it to be the exact same type of thing that they've done previously, but I want to I want to know if they truly understand mathematical yeah. concepts. And when I do that, a third, great. Two thirds, horrible. They failed. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man. I mean, I far, I felt very, um, like inept as a teacher. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I'm doing similar type of math instruction in my. Uh, physical science class where they're doing an investigation, they're collecting data, they have to analyze the data, they have to report it in a lab, and then they have to explain why this data makes sense in this way to come up with some Mm -hmm. um, reality of their experiment, right? Mm -hmm. And when I give a quiz on that, and I tweak it, they could do the math. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. Am I a different math teacher in my science classes than I'm a math teacher in my math classes? Mm. I don't think so. So throughout this first few months, I was starting to try to figure out what is the unique difference. What became that it had to be based on the fact that in science class, there was reason to do the math, right? It wasn't just numbers solving for a Uh, an X, a variable, it was, here is our issue. Let's collect information. We have this data, these numbers. Mm -hmm. Now let's do something with it and make sense of it, interpret it, and come up with a reason. So I started putting context to when I'm teaching math. Back then, 30 years ago, that made me (laughs) go to a library. There's no (laughs) such thing as internet, at least not for me. Excuse me. And I would go and find a textbook, and it's called Applied Mathematics. It was written for colleges. So my prep time was to really revamp and take 
what was written as potentially doing some trigonometry or calculus, but I would revise it so that it could do some algebra or geometry. Yeah. And as I did that, I was implementing it into my math class, but it wasn't a word problem. Like a lot of textbooks have yeah. word <laughs> problems, right? It was more than that. So I started calling it advanced problems yeah. because it takes multiple steps. It took a lot of time to do one. So essentially, I would give a problem at the beginning of a unit, and it could take two or three days till they – could come up with a, a solution. And what's interesting is there were multiple correct solutions, mm. but there was only one way to do the math and they had yeah. to learn how to do the math, but how students approached the problems were uniquely different enough. Mm -hmm. So they come up with different outcomes <clears throat> and the students loved it. They got, they understood the math. And when I started doing these quizzes and tests and and ask them different, they had no problems with it. And I was like, yes, this is it, right? Essentially, that was STEM instruction before there was such a <laughs> before thing called STEM. STEM. <laughs> and so now STEM is come about where there's, where you bring in a design challenge, a solution to a real authentic um, situation. So let's take, um, you have two cities that are separated by a body of water mm -hmm. and you need to have students design a, a bridge to allow so much traffic, so many cars or trucks or semis to get across the, the bridge in a, in a day. Mm -hmm. So you have to figure out, is it going to be two lanes, four lanes, double decker, whatever. So, so you do a lot of brainstorming and ideation, but essentially you can come up with this great cement bridge to make that connection happen. Yeah. And that project has a lot of math. It has a lot of science, has a lot of technology, a lot of planning and engineering. So that's the stems science, technology, engineering, and math, all put together, being taught at the same time, interdisciplinary, to accomplish a goal. Mm. <clears throat> Where arts comes in is we were finding that specific people groups were disinterested in STEM really early, somewhere around middle school, all right, mm -hmm. maybe fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade. Females, a lot of um, high poverty populations, um, and um, typically black and Hispanic populations. And the research seemed to suggest that they were disinterested because they didn't really care to build a bridge. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so you did it. Good for you, right? <laughs> And it's, it's authentic, which a lot of people are interested in really practical reasons to learn math. Yeah. But there's two, a point to why, right? So then we started to realize from the social sciences that these populations are really interested in purpose mm. and meaning. Yeah. Why do it? Context. The arts, the humanity piece – provides that context. Now you are investigating the culture of city A, the culture of city B. What is going to happen to these cities when you build this connection? What happens to the economy? What happens to the languages? What happens to the way they do business? Hmm. That is the humanity piece. That's when you bring in your foreign languages. You bring in your English language arts. That's when you bring in your understanding of the culture, the economics, the social studies pieces, the history of the, uh, the cities. When you bring that in, you also bring in, let's make this beautiful Let's make this aesthetically mm. pleasing. I don't want just a cement bridge. I want something that is iconic, that is beautiful. So bring in creativity. Allow the two people groups to express themselves in the structure of this bridge. That's when you bring in the arts. That's when it becomes a STEAM 
project instead of a STEM project. That's when you really challenge the engineers and say, yes, mm. cement is strong, <laughs> but we want something beautiful. Let's do something with some arches, with some wires. Let's challenge the structure of a design so it yeah. looks beautiful at the same time. And that's when you connect San Francisco to Oakland and you create the Golden Gate Bridge, something that is beautiful, that becomes a destination, that the bridge itself serves a purpose. But in reality, millions of people go to San Francisco and Oakland, California, for the purpose of just seeing the bridge. Yeah. So so there's that art humanity piece that is really what STEAM education is a model of. Now, do you now I that's actually really interesting because I, I think I would say that. Like I think looking at like my old high school and elementary that are trying to introduce STEM, right? And I and I see how they're struggling to connect. You know, I I was subbing there last spring when I was in the States and so they're struggling to connect with certain students sometimes. Uh, you know, sometimes kids would be interested, not interested. It's very interesting to add that aspect of humanity, you know, culture. And um, that's really interesting. And uh, just one question, would this basically be because you would basically have every every grade would basically be a STEAM center. So as you go from kindergarten to first grade, first grade to second grade, it would be focused 100% on this STEAM aspect, correct? Correct. So this journey that you asked me to explain how God is, has given me learning experiences yeah. through my career path um, has put me in connection with a lot of very effective teachers implementing a lot of good student-centered project-based learning type activities mm -hmm. in which I instantly saw a connection for students, a motivation for students, an interest level that is well above just sitting and listening to a teacher spout out how much information they know. And it's kind of mm -hmm. that sit and get kind yeah. of mentality where the teacher um, kind of forces information into the student's brain. Well, this student-centered approach is engaging the student in the process of learning. And in order to learn the content, they are doing some type of performance type product, right? They're making something, they're putting together maybe a play, a musical, they're singing, mm -hmm. um, maybe they're doing musical instruments, maybe they're making a three-dimensional um, model to put into a museum to teach about a certain historical context. Maybe they're doing video editing and mm -hmm. they're utilizing um, uh, something to put on YouTube as um, a piece for a community outreach, et cetera. There's just all sorts of these projects, these ideas of that process that I've seen. And yeah. along the way, there were a lot of things that hindered effective learning and, mm -hmm. and stopped students. And so my goal for the, the creation of the, the Community STEAM Academy here in Xenia, Ohio, was to eliminate as many of those hindrances to learning as possible. So we got rid of the bell schedule. So mm -hmm. elementary, you know, they don't have bell schedules, right? It's self-contained yeah. typically. Um, one teacher teaching all the, the content. So interdisciplinary if the teacher chooses to do that in their um, curriculum. And I like that model and I wanted it to emphasize it across the entire K-12 mm, school. That's awesome. So, so we implement that. It, and it's not that one teacher teaches just a small group, yeah. a team of teachers teaches mm. a group of students yeah. and so it's multiple teachers with expertise in different content area planning and collaborating together mm. to build a project that is then implemented into small groups of students and which as they're doing the project for the learning the unit they are learning and and needing to know the content. So 
you no longer go to a math class, but you get to a point in a project that the only way you can keep going is to understand algebra. Hmm. And when you're doing the algebra problem, no longer is it saying go to chapter one, section three, because it's the next thing. You are now saying, oh, I have two linear functions that are going to intersect. I need to know what that point is. How do I do that? Mm. And all of a sudden, this group of students are asking for the teacher. Teacher, come help us. We yeah. are. We need to understand this, and it becomes a teachable moment. Yeah. And so, teaching happens, right? They mm -hmm. will yeah. learn the math. They will learn the history, the English language arts, the foreign language, the physical education. But it's all purposely and systematically embedded in projects that as they go from one checkpoint to the next checkpoint mm. to accomplish that product, that project, they learn. And yeah. they finish one project and they start another. They finish mm. one project, they start another. So what happens is there's a neighborhood of, of students who are working with a team of teachers to accomplish these tasks. Yeah. And in these neighborhoods, they don't have a structure of a bell ringing, you have to go from one place to another. The teachers decide, okay, so in this project, they really need to understand a historical concept first. So they're gonna spend a great deal of time at the very beginning engaged mm -hmm. in understanding of, of history. And then they'll understand the science pieces and stuff as they're doing the project, but that will have, so we're going to kind of modify yeah. the day to make it work for the students. The other thing that was very frustrating with um, learning is the physical space. So facilities. So my neighborhoods are big open rooms. Now we don't have open classrooms because that's so loud and noisy and it's <laughs> chaotic, but we have these large rooms. So a typical classroom is a rectangle yeah. with cement brick walls, um, block walls with mounted cabinetry with maybe yep. a sink, right? The Permanent. <clears throat> There's one um, place where the teacher's desk is in the front of the room. That's typically 900 square feet. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting rid of all permanent walls, only keeping the structure that are needed, and I'm, I'm allowing teams of teachers to take thousands of square feet of learning space and design the That's walls awesome. to so cool. make it allow to function for whatever the product project is. So if their project that they're doing this week needs them to have 18 smaller spaces with interactive touch panel televisions and whiteboards in a space, and there's going to be about eight students in there, they can design that learning space That's so with cool. all these small spaces. But the next day, they have gone from the ideation now they're going to potential productivity. Now they need three rooms and they're they're a thousand square foot each. Now mm. all that the facility comes in, facility team revamps that learning space, puts yeah. in these walls to make it functional for the larger space. And so the team of teachers design the look and feel of the actual walls. And the walls mm. are solid. It's not these you know, it's it's like the difference between a Lincoln log. I don't know if you remember playing yes. with those. Oh, yes. You, you would build them, and then if you touch it just a little much, you go, wah, wah, wah. Yep. And if you hit a little bit, bloof. These are like, these walling systems are like Legos. You can build something and throw it, and it's not going to come apart, right? That's awesome. Um, and so, so we're using really good pre-manufactured environmental solution walling systems that were designed for industry because they were sick of all the construction waste that would occur in a strip mall. Let's say you yeah. have – a different tenant come in, they rip out all these drywalls, all the steel beams and put brand new ones up again. And the company was like, why can't we make walls that you could just rearrange? And so this is um, that's so cool. the technology that's out there that I'm bringing right into the classroom feel. And so this STEAM school will have these kinds of 
elements so teachers can really make modifications and accommodate for all student learning, not just those top three, like I said, that are good at memorizing yeah. the algorithms of the steps, but people that are really engaged moving. That's, that's, uh, first of all, it's just fascinating. I think just to think about, I could change my classroom. Trust me, I'm here in Hungary. And if you were to see the size of my classroom, uh, <laughs> yeah, you would just laugh. Um, and one of my two things I think to maybe elaborate on just a little, little quickly, when you say that you got rid of the bell schedule, could you maybe if someone's listening, that's a teacher or they're a student and they're like, when he means get rid of the bell schedule, let's say not for the elementary, but let's say for the high school, what, what does that look like on a day to day basis? Is it mainly where they just stay with one like group of teachers or is it where it's it just changes day to day? So yes and no, just but essentially think of an elementary school day in yeah. high school. Okay. And middle yeah, yeah. school, and and now several teachers who are working across multiple groups of students plan and schedule and realize, okay, so this group will need to be working on this kind of content. This group will be working on this mm. kind, and and they all decide how that happens, and so there is no dedicated algebra classroom. Yeah. Um, because the dedicated space are created for the project. So many times math will be taught wherever the group of students are that are actually working on it or okay. history or whatever. Now, we do have general makerspace areas. And now the reason I say that is because we can bring in things like 3D printers, Wow, that's label cool. making, poster printers. We can bring in um, laser engravers. We can bring in belt sanders and drill that's presses so cool. and table saws and stuff. So that they're as they're producing these products, maybe even it's a a, a theater stage for a drama presentation. Yeah. Um, to bring in all of that performing arts piece, um, the visual arts piece and stuff. Well, they'll need access to the wood and and metal and welding and how to paint and all the structure that seems like it embeds art, right? I mean, it, yeah. it just works with it. But you also have these maker spaces that are dedicated spaces for like chemistry labs and biology labs, hmm. things that are, I mean, you need to be able to have these skill sets. Of course, yeah. So the project that will be designed for teaching a lot of the content of biology will require those groups of students at times to go into this 450 square foot smaller space biology type lab mm -hmm. to do dissections, <clears throat> um, to do your in inquiry activities in the earth sciences and stuff. And they'll have the specialized equipment in there, chemistry, they'll, you'll do chemical reactions and use fume hoods and you have all the safety equipment and stuff that are in there, but it's smaller space because only smaller groups of the students come in when it's purposely scheduled within a project. And so, you're utilizing your space to the maximum. And because of this, these neighborhoods, there's no hallways. That's right? awesome, because, yeah. Because you create movement by how you arrange the space. And so the space dictates how you move, and therefore you don't waste very valuable square feet in a facility by just having a a, a, a hallway, a long stretch of with nothing there, right? Just a walkway to yeah. get from. And here, it's just like a neighborhood, so that the students kind of will work around and and work with each other and impacting the different subject areas along the way. So that's that's how we can get away with not having a bell schedule, but we will have seat time, right? I mean, yeah, state course, mandates yeah. that we, yeah. so they'll get the learning and they'll learn the content, but when it's appropriate, not because the bell said, oh, now you're supposed to be in algebra class. Yeah. Oh, now you're supposed to be in a history class. And oh, now you're, and it just, every time you do that, you stop the learning process, right? So yeah. if it makes more sense to spend the morning saturated in history, let that group do that. 
Whereas the morning of these other groups are being saturated in math or saturated in, in um, doing uh, production um, mm. for their final product or practicing for a play to sing about invasive species or, mm. or whatever the, the context yeah. is, right? Yeah, and I, I think it's really interesting. So you mean they're still going to have to dissect a frog, I'm guessing. Is, is that just like the common thing we do in biology, I think, in every school, no matter what? Um, but it's very interesting because as you were talking, I'm thinking back to all your classes that I had you for. Um, and even when I was doing my student teaching, I remember you would always say, it's not about the amount of time you take. It's not about you know the amount of stuff you could flood in their brains. And I was working with first grade, and you remember that. Yeah. It was about creating something that allowed them to express themselves, allowed them to to grow and being over here in, in Hungary, um, for those of you that don't know, I teach at an international school, which has multiple different, uh, nationalities has students at every different, um, you would say brain, brain function. You know, you have kids that, that are really good at math, really good at science. And that's some things that I, I wish we did have because it's, it's very hard to, to see the, see the ability of some students when they're not being able to hit their full potential. Now I hear, I hear all this, and I'm, I, one thing that comes to my mind is that God is doing some amazing things. What would you say is something that has just been perked, you know, is just popping in your head, and is like, God is truly working through this process, through the school, and I believe he's going to do some amazing things? Well, first of all, the fact of the, the opportunity to start a an independent public school in the state of Ohio. Um, we are one of like eight that are out there in the state of Ohio. Wow. So it's, it's very rare um, to have the opportunity to bring together a group of board members who share in my vision and are supporting me in the, the, as a school board to, to have this nonprofit independent public mm. school that utilizes tax dollars to pay for tuition so it's tuition free right i mean that's awesome. anyone in the state of ohio can come to this this school and the beauty is of the 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 school is i i mean i need facilities well the former ymca building yeah. was essentially yeah, that, yeah. gifted to us to do this the city of xenia basically gifted us the building awesome. to renovate to so use cool. and then utilizing other um funding sources like new market tax credits and opportunity zone funds and stuff to really then um, build a facility that is top-notch to allow for this interaction mm. to occur to um, provide the opportunity for the teachers to be in this innovative education of the heart, mind, body, and soul. That's the tagline for the Community STEAM Academy because it's a holistic approach. Mm. These projects are holistic. We're looking at all subjects all the time. It's because life does not happen in single um items right you you don't have a problem in life that you only solve because you have math yeah so so learning is best learned when it is interdiscipline when mm. it allows for all these subjects to kind of make sense of why we're doing what we're doing and if we link it to real world situations with the community involvement and linking it to real needs in the community students will not ask why are we doing this because they see the direct link between what they're doing and a, a need in the community and so the word community in the name of the school is so important. Mm. And, you know, I give a lot of uh, um, ideas about STEM education. I talk a lot about the neighborhoods and stuff. Truly, to get a better understanding, it, people just need to go to communitysteam.com. Yeah. And that website really, really shows a lot of the mission and vision of the school. It talks about these neighborhood spaces. It explains how um, it's a unique project-based, student-centered approach. Um, 
there's tons of uh, we just opened a blog page so we have some That's blog awesome. posts that talk about the different components and mm. in the first blog there is what is steam um, learning so the uniqueness of that integration of the arts the humanity piece into yeah. the stem projects and stuff and so the the website really is a great source for um, an individual to go look at and see a lot more about it. And and we have our social media sites as well that are out there that you can learn more about that. And, and I think what's really cool. And as I've, I, a little, I've obviously my mom being and family being back in the States, you know, I hear a little bits about this or I'll hear from Cedarville people or whatever. And I hear about the school and I just see how like God truly is using Xenia, Ohio, right? Like I, I went to Cedarville four years. I mean, how many times did I drive through Xenia, right? And I would did some teaching stuff in Xenia and knowing what that community is like. And, and I think that's where we could really see God working in the sense that he's letting you have a place inside of the city of Xenia to reach all of these kids, these students that, you know, they don't realize that the the thought process behind necessarily this whole school and, and how God is truly working. Um, and I think as someone that went through public school, those Christian teachers, I didn't realize were Christian until I kind of got out of school and, and realized like, wow, they, they were pouring into me and that's, I did, had no idea. Um, I think that's, what's really cool about this, this, uh, steam in the sense, like it is a community. And I think of, I think of Cedarville, right? Like Cedarville was a community and that's what we based on when we did education, we based on community and how do you create that community? Um, and I think it's just really cool to see what you guys are doing in, I would say a place that is uh, crazy to think that it's like, you know, 20 minutes from Cedarville. Right. And you have all these young teachers that are like, Hey, I want to get experience. And, and half of them probably never even heard of STEM before they got to Cedarville. And so that's a great opportunity for them uh, in that sense. And what would you say is the most, like the one thing you're looking forward to the most out of this whole process, out of what's in the future? What is, what's the one thing you're going, this is what I'm looking forward to most? So you are correct about the whole sense of community and that whole idea of what it's like to build a culture, a family of yeah. learners, right? And, and because of that, you embed as a teacher so much of your time and energy mm. into s- individual students. Mm. And as a teacher, I was driven to teaching because of that aha moment mm. that students got when I'm helping explain it and like, oh, I, now I get it. That makes <laughs> sense, right? And, and the satisfaction that I get by helping others do that. So that others focus community culture i'm i am so looking forward to seeing that in action and and seeing students who are so on fire to learn Hmm. that you you actually have to say okay okay stop you really need to go to lunch take time now go to lunch it'll be here when you come back right yeah and they're just so engaged and so excited about learning that they can't wait to keep Mm. going. And truly, that is not rose-colored glasses looking at reality. It truly happens. I've seen it in classrooms across the United States Mm. when teachers implement these kinds of student-centered, relational-building experiences. Mm. And all of a sudden, the student realizes this teacher or in my case teams of teachers are dedicated to see me be successful and Mm. because of that i'm going to try to be successful think of like you watch a youtube video of this Mm. 10 year old who is at a karate class right and the sensei is challenging them to break these four pieces of wood and this little 10 year old's coming and chopping and trying to to break it and and hits it and it hurts and he can't do it and the sense i sell him okay this is how you do it you know and it, over and over they're failing multiple times then the group of students get around him and kind of start cheering him on and then mm. that 11th or 12th time he hits it and it breaks what happens right 
eruption. They pick the kid up on the shoulders and prance yeah. around. He is like, nothing is going to stop me now, right? I got this. Bring on the world. That sense of confident identity mm. because through those series of failures with a support system there to help them become successful, now it makes more purpose, more meaningful. Mm. And now bring on these problems, bring on the the challenges of mm. global hunger. I can take it on because I just built the confidence in my classroom to handle this um, community need about a food desert or food insecure population group in, mm. in Southwest Ohio. And mm. that's the kind of impact that we as educators can have in the classroom, so but true. I purposely was training at Cedarville University teachers how to do like yourself, mm -hmm. that now I get to do it. Yeah. So now I get to step into the, the seats and actually put this into practice and not just teach how to do it, but now I get the privilege of actually doing it. Yeah. And that's, and it's so cool to see how God is using you and in, in, in this process. And, um, be, before we finish up here, I just want to talk about the school real quickly. Um, so when will this school, what is the aim date for the school to be opened up? Um, and what does it look like for a student to apply or how does that whole process work? Great. So thanks for asking, because this is really the, the crux of everything is well, how Department of Education given us this, the independent STEAM designated approval to open in fall 22. So this August, awesome. wow. we will open. All right. Due to COVID and a lot of restrictions, our facilities will not be full capacity right away. Mm -hmm. So we'll be opening sixth through 10th grade and we'll expand out um, the, the school and open a second location for our elementary building right now planning in fall of 24. Um, but by fall 25, we should be a complete K-12 school, approximately 1,200 students. That's awesome. Open to anyone who thinks this is a good fit for mm. their their um, child or grandchild. Um, and so the easiest way to start the enrollment process is to come to the communitysteam.com website. Mm -hmm. There's a place that says, I'm interested. You can click on it. At the top, there's a banner that says, click here. If you're interested, you can click on it and it will bring up a form. You fill it out and submit it. And that will start the entire process to give you more information about um, admissions and enrollment process um, for the starting of the fall 2022 school year. Now, does the student, because uh, I obviously I cover public school, so the whole like, you know, where you can be live. Now, can let's say someone from West Liberty, I'm just going to use my hometown, and they wanted to go to the STEAM Academy, right? This community centered school. They're like, mom and dad are like, that's where you're going to go. Sorry, West Liberty, we love you, but no, right? Do they have to be in the district of, let's say, Xenia School District, or can they be from anywhere uh, within a, a certain radius? So anywhere in the state of Ohio okay. is eligible to come. Hmm. Now, within a 30-mile radius of the actual building of the school, yeah. tax dollars will provide funding to bus or provide transportation to the school. That's cool. That's awesome. So we function as a public school as similar to like open enrollment. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. for instance, there's somebody that goes in West Liberty School District, but yet they really, really want to go to Dayton City Schools, mm -hmm. and Dayton City Schools is an open enrollment school. So they would apply if they were accepted, then they could actually go to Dayton um, City Schools. Even though they lived in West Liberty, okay, they could yeah. go to Dayton City because it's an open enrollment school. I see. Now, school districts choose if they're open enrollment or not. So, so there are some that aren't. For instance, in Greene County, Beaver Creek School District is a closed school district. The only way you can go to Beaver Creek um, schools if is if you live in the geographical region of that school district. But here in um, the Community STEAM Academy, Xenia, Xenia is just the location of the school. Okay. Um, we have no geographical school district except for the entire state of Ohio. <laughs> so anyone can come. And 
And like other independent schools, like Global Impact STEM Academy, which is in Springfield, Ohio, there are people that lived in Washington Courthouse okay. that went there. That's that's like a 40-mile drive every day. It's a but hike. they wanted to go there, so they drove one hour just to that's go to crazy. school there and came back. And And so – it is plausible that anyone in the state of Ohio is eligible to come. It, it is. It's actually kind of funny because this is actually kind of how my school works is international school. We have a kid. I have a senior, right? Like I'm a guidance counselor. I work with the seniors. He travels like an hour and 15 minutes every day by bus, but like public bus. So we all know how public buses are. <laughs> and so that's a very similar situation where these kids, they want to come to a international English speaking school uh, to learn. So it's, it's similar in that case. Now we talked about the students. We talked about how to apply what about staff needs? Is there any, you know, are you hiring at this moment or have you filled your needs? What, what if a teacher or, um, you know, someone that's like, Hey, I want to move into this type of schooling. Uh, is there a possibility for that at, at, um, steam? So as transparent as possible is we are unsure about our complete staffing needs right now. Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot has to do with how many applications we get, what levels we get. I have a lot of verbal commitments of, of teachers who are planning on and principals and leadership who are planning on being part of the school. But until we get a little bit closer to that, we are really unsure. So okay. what I do is anyone that's interested in, in a staffing position, whether that is looking at um, janitorial services or yeah. cafeteria, office help or a teacher that's licensed to teach um, what I have them do is there's a contact page on our website so if they yeah. go to communitysteam.com go to the contact page fill it out then I can contact them and we can start the conversation I can tell them more about the school I can mm. show them the plans about the school um, and then see if it's a good fit for them and then what would happen is I'll keep their name and information and mm. once we get to a position yes we need this, then I would invite them to fill out an application and go through the formal process of building a contract and then um, accepting them into the position. But right now we're in this time and period that we have to wait mm. and then instigate those processes once it gets a little bit closer. That's awesome. Uh, I think it's a it's a really cool situation that's going on here. Uh, but for those that want to follow you, uh, I know if there's anybody that's on social media, right? If there's anybody like I took a class with Dr. Irvin, and I had I think the Twitter I made is still the same Twitter, and I never use it really. I like oh, rarely. Come on. Uh, that's the thing. I feel bad because like every time I'm like, man, I, I I see like a you post something, I'm like, dang it, I need to I need to keep up on that. Um, there's a lot of good resources there. There is. I, I so I, my wife laughs like uh, she knows that I have a Pinterest board. But if you look at my Pinterest board, it's literally all from school. And so it's all the things that you made us, you know, pin on our board. And so I thought it was just really funny that it still exists and it's still out there. Um, she posts stuff to it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But if the, people are interested in following you uh, on your social media, what are some of your social media that they can get in touch with you? Maybe ask, you know, maybe they have a question about STEAM or just about education. How can they do that? Sure. So... Like I, I mean, you said I do have my Twitter handle is drj irvin. So at drjerv as in Victor in. Um, my all of the community Steam accounts are C S A Xenia. So X E N I A. Um, so that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, and then the other one I forget off the top of my head. <laughs> Go to the website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, I don't think we've opened TikTok yet. Oh, just because okay. I can't, I'm trying to keep up with everything, so of I haven't ha um, gotten that far yet. YouTube, it is the yeah, other one. YouTube, yeah, um, yeah. A YouTube channel, and so. Uh, go to communitysteam.com. You can link there too. Okay. And I'm I post a lot of stuff, so they can then follow me, whether okay. through LinkedIn or Facebook. That's probably the most direct way. Is just go through the website. Everything's connected at some point in time there. Awesome. And uh, for all of you that are listening, uh, first off, thank you for listening. Uh, give you know, uh, pray for Dr. Irvin and his 
uh, team as they're going through this. Like, let's be honest, in the middle of COVID, trust me, I'm teaching in COVID. Uh, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to, to be creating a school in the middle of COVID either. Um, so be praying for him. Uh, again, if you've um, loved this episode of the podcast, you know, just, you know, favorite it, share it. You know, I want people to hear about this school because it's something that's different. It's something that is going to make a difference in the community in Ohio, really in general in Ohio, um, which I think would be really, really cool. Uh, and if you uh, enjoy this, let me know. Let me know down in the comments if you have any interest in this or co conversation about this. And again, Dr. Irvin, thank you so much for uh, coming on here um, and uh, just sharing about your story and what God is doing uh, with the STEM, uh, STEAM Academy uh, in, in Xenia, Ohio. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Ben. Again, I appreciate it. Proud of you. You've gone come a long way in your educational <laughs> process and uh, super, super proud of you, bud. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and until next time, we'll see you. I really hope you enjoyed the interview that I had with Dr. Irvin and hearing his story. And that's honestly where I want to take this podcast. And yeah, there'll still be an occasional episode where it's just me talking about maybe something going on in life. But in general, and, and really, I think what I my whole dream of this, and I never really got to do it while I was in Hungary, because um, I just was naive and didn't think about it, is I want to share people's stories. And that's one of my ultimate dreams and why I love doing this to share people's stories and to hear people share with me some great advice. And so hopefully for the next, you know, few episodes, and as I gain steam, more and more people will be joining on to talk about what God is doing in their lives. Uh, and so I hope that you are encouraged by this. I hope that you are um, just, I hope you stick out with me. And, and I know this is, I haven't been consistent with this uh, uh, podcast, and I get it. If you don't want to listen anymore, totally understand, but I hope that you will stick with me as I start this new journey and uh, we will learn together and glorify God together uh, in many ways. And so I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, drop a like, subscribe, and I'll see you next time.